Hello, this is episode 313 of the Purple Psychology Podcast. I'm Nisha already. So I've no idea what I'm going to call this episode. It's one of those ones where I'm going to start talking. I've taken a little bit of a hiatus, I suppose, from the podcast last week because I actually found I had so many things that I couldn't talk about, which is a bit weird. Some of that is kind of that I'm waiting for research to come through to back up ideas and I don't want to talk about them until the research projects have been done and I can invite other people to contribute as well. So that's one series of conversations that are parked over to one side. And then I've had a complete hatred, I suppose, of what's taking place in the media. And I've needed time to sort of digest that and figure out what really doesn't resonate for me. And one of the interesting things that's happened is I currently have no access to my Instagram. I sort of amalgamated a number of websites a few months ago. I changed the email addresses associated with everything, except I forgot my Instagram. And for some reason, it started looking for validation codes yesterday. And so the annoying thing about it is that it looks completely active and it looks like as if I have access to it and I don't. So if you, and it says in the profile that I welcome DMs, which I do because I find a lot of younger people contact me through the podcast and using their sort of preferred platform to do that. And I was going to say that I haven't said for a while, you know, that I love to hear from people and some of the best connections that I have developed in the last few years have come through my podcast. So please do reach out, but please don't use my Instagram at the moment. It's very easy to fill out a form on the website and that comes directly to me. Or Facebook is still available to you. But it's funny, I find older people tend to still be stuck using Facebook. It's funny how different generations have migrated to different platforms. I I guess the funny thing is that when you're really thinking about something, you end up nearly having really interesting conversations with people that you don't particularly realize that you're sparking off, but different ideas will come to you in, in different ways through different conversations. And at the end of it, you're kind of like, okay, I have to do something with this. And I, the aspect of the, the, the trial that's taking place that I really dislike is the fact that I need a different result. I always feel like I'm working from a different place. I I joked in one of the conversations I've had in the last week that we really need Alien Anonymous because that person too was like, I've never left anybody in a worse situation than when I met them in. I've always wanted to leave them being a better person. So I need a different result. And they found that other people really didn't understand that of them, that they they really were speaking Sputnik. And their reactions were actually incredibly negative and incredibly projecting. And I've, for the first time in a long time, I actually have a lot of fear around recording this podcast. And some of the reason for that is the sheer power that is present and the sheer judgment. And I found myself looking at a lot of so-called professionals and experts and psychologists and particularly behavioral and body language sort of experts on YouTube. I'm being really horrified and I'm reminded again and again of the sort of conversations I have with my students and with their families where they tell me that these students go along to organizations and organizations are like, oh, well, they won't talk to me and they won't open up to me and they won't tell me anything. And I'm kind of like, well, why would they? You haven't earned their trust. And one of the reasons why I work with people in such sort of set time periods is because those are the times it takes to build trust with someone. That's a very authentic process. 
is something that naturally happens because, not because you overshare, but because you're open, because you have an ability to present yourself in an open way that doesn't need to be perfect, that you can embrace your faults, you can be honest and say you don't understand something, you can ask a question, you don't have to be a know-it-all. And I often work with people in an odd way, and this came up again recently, where I often decide what needs to happen. So a united front needs to develop in a family. And so I will get them to have conversations in a way, often by presenting myself wrong to them and then going, well, no, that isn't actually what I think and that isn't how, how I think you see me and I don't feel that way and you don't make me feel that way. And so these conversations take place and this sort of united front ends up sort of being presented back to me going, no, no, you're not right about that. And I'm kind of like, great, that's actually what I wanted to happen here. And so it's, it's not about me being right. It's about other people realizing how they're measuring and judging each other and just opening up conversations. And there's nothing open about what all these experts are doing. There is so much disgusting prejudice and judgment in, in the way that they're dissecting people. And they t make so many assumptions based on people's physicality. You know, th this is part of the, the challenge I have. In, 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 I suppose in my efforts to maybe not completely out myself, I try to find language to help people to understand themselves or ways to present ideas to people. But I, I, don't, I don't read patterns or I don't just read people's physicality or I might sort of sense, you know, that, that someone's being a bit more closed or not very open or they're not very comfortable or whatever it is. But there's no judgment in that. It's kind of like, okay, they're not really comfortable yet. That's fine. But what I'm really reading in people is energy. That's not something you read out of a textbook. And it's not something that you make a load of assumptions with. And even when I do read energy, it's kind of like, okay, well, that's where you're at and that's where I need to meet you. And that's the part that's not taking place in any of this. There's no sense of meeting people. There's just a sense of victimizing them and making a huge amount of assumptions. Like I once remember meeting someone and then writing an email to me afterwards apologizing, saying, oh, you know, you must think I'm, I'm awful. Like I was covered in coffee stains and, you know, my, my shirt was a mess. And I managed to explode my coffee all over me just before I met you. And I remember, like I said, I actually really didn't notice. And I didn't. Because when I walk into a space to meet people, I'm not analyzing what they're wearing or how they're sitting or anything else. I'm simply meeting them. So I often don't notice the most mundane features. And I'm a really observant person, but I'm, I'm choosing not to judge people. And that's the lack of what I'm seeing present in, in much of these experts. And it's the same sense that I know that really sets off and closes down a lot of the people I work with. And that it, it, it means that they've had a really negative experience. And then the other side of it is that some of the students I've worked with over the years are being told that they're not good at reading people's cues. And I, I don't think, again, I, I, that's another whole podcast. Like, I don't think it's as straightforward as they're not able to read people's cues. I think they just have a different language and a different communication style and a different way of reading it. And in fact, 
in their mind, it's a lot more straightforward. What they're not reading is people's motivations and their twists with things. That's what they're not reading. But they will go off and they will do courses online on behavioral habits and particularly physicality and the sort of assumptions that we make out of people's body language. And then they will end up being even more socially awkward in situations because they're kind of like, oh, the person's leaning away from me and they've folded their arms and they've done this and they've done that and, oh, they're re- I'm boring them and they don't want to listen to me. And, you know, this whole narrative starts in their head from all of these cues and all of these assumptions. And they're, they're not a given. And, of course, there's different moments in conversations and different energies and different ebbs and flows. And it, it may not even be their reaction to you it could be the reaction to the person sitting beside you that that they're really not sure about or someone's walked into the room that they that they know when they're not very comfortable with or god knows what's going on in their head you know so it's all these assumptions and projections and judgments that that's all of what has unfolded for these two weeks and it's it's been horrible and then there's the bigger picture for me and this is the part I've debated whether to talk about it or not. And, and this goes back to my conversation with this person about needing there to be a better result. People joked with me that I should like write the breakup manual because I navigated it so successfully. But I didn't just navigate it successfully for me. I navigated it successfully for the other person too. And it's ironic. I never tell anyone that I work with. The one thing I positively don't tell them is whether their relationship is good or bad for them. But invariably, through working with me, they will either separate, get married, or get back together. All of those things have happened. And the reason for that is because people build themselves into a secure place and they reconnect with their own core, their own core self and their own truth. And they start to grow. And when that happens, the people in your environment will either match you and be really good for you, or they won't. But one of the first things you need to do if you realize that you're in a toxic, abusive relationship, and it's a kind of a process because you won't really go through the fact that it's abusive till afterwards, and I'll talk about that in the end. Well, one of the things you have to do is you have to build yourself into a really secure place. So you have to take the time to build up your own health, your own fitness. Take space for yourself. Take stock of what you value in life, what's being met, what isn't, how you feel supported, how you don't. You take stock of all of that. You make yourself really secure and you decide what you need and what you want to happen. And that takes months. In fact, it's close to a year, if I'm honest. And then there's lots of hooks. There's lots of ways that you're tied to people through their needs of you. And some of those are real. And some of them are just ways to manipulate you. But some of them are real. Like people will tie themselves in different ways through having a need of you to provide for them. A need of you to provide a home for them. To maybe even be paying them a salary. They have become dependent on you. And often people who are abusing you often use that as the hook to keep you present. 
So you have to unravel that. That's the next part. You have to help. And this is the part of leaving someone in a better space. So you have to create their independence again for them without them realizing that. So you finish building yourself up, but you also need to build them up. They need to feel independent and secure because the more independent and the more secure they feel, the less they will need to play out what we're all watching on the global stage right now. And that's the part, that's the disconnect that really hasn't happened and that no expert has talked about because they don't actually want one person to be in a good place. They just want to feed of dismantling the toxicity of this. And that's the same feeding, quite frankly, that I see most of the professionals do with the people I work with. And that's what's, that's what's been really upsetting me. It's that feeding frenzy that's taking place. Nobody wants both parties to be secure, successful, content, happy. They can't feed off that. <laughs> I talk over and over about people's needs in helping others. So there's a whole process in helping people to be independent and secure. There's a whole process in helping them to reconnect often with people that they have deliberately disconnected from in order to make you the sole need in their life. So to reconnect often with their families or other professionals who've helped them or whoever that is. So that's another whole part of the process. And then the last two stages of the process are being in such a good space that you've decided what you need to happen for the best for everybody involved here. And that means navigating and not reacting to things and actually keeping in touch for a considerable period of time afterwards and managing that. And then the last stage is dismantling and realizing actually how you've been abused. Interestingly, one of the books that I read that really helped me to, to look at this differently, because I, I was a little bit, um, because I don't judge people and because I meet them wherever they're at and I don't have any, I just don't have any judgment about what people experience as people have been through. I expect them to integrate them and to make them part of themselves in, in a holistic, constructive way. And so it was a very strange idea for me to wrap my head around. And it has really helped me with my work with families to understand that people who are abused become abusers. And one of the books that helped me to kind of unravel part of my journey afterwards was the first book by Rupi Kaur, the first poetry book called Milk and Honey. And interestingly, I've recommended the second book several times to people which is the sun and her flowers. And in many ways, I see that as being a very different book. But it has come up again and again that that is equally a book to navigate the sense of being a victim of abuse. And in some ways, it's probably a little bit more positive than milk and honey. And so I often find myself recommending the second book rather than the first. But I'll put a link to the description in the description to both books. But that's a process for you to realize with objectivity and with distance, for you to actually realize how you've been manipulated. Abuse takes many different forms, and you can't really navigate that when you're actually navigating your way out. That's a journey afterwards. And I guess I had, 
a whole series of people they came into my life because that's it's generally how how it happens to also navigate that journey with and that gave me a different insight with this you know going back to the last podcast of integrating experiences I can't regret any journey I've been on because it's given me a first-hand insight into what I help other people to navigate and that's a part that in fact my own parents don't understand and it's a part that some of my own soul tribe who really care about me don't understand they just want you to have a nice easy happy life But in all honesty, I couldn't do the work I do unless I have experienced what I've experienced. But the part of this trial that's most despicable to me is the fact that no one wants there to be a good result, a better result, a better place. Nobody wants people to be secure, regardless of whether who's doing the abusing. Everyone deserves to be treated well. And in fact, in those moments when you're being the worst of yourself, you need someone to really treat you in a way because maybe you've never experienced that. That doesn't mean you have to stay in a relationship with them because relationships are supposed to be supportive and that's why you sit down and you almost do a a critical assessment of whether you have what you need for you to thrive. But that doesn't mean that you don't help the other person to thrive separately to you. And that's the part that I can't wrap my head around in what's taking place.